Morning. He does the impossible, and we believe it. I have two stories in my talk today where he does the impossible. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you, Lord. You are a God that does the impossible, Lord, and we do believe it. We pray for this word, Lord, that it touches hearts. We pray for those that couldn't make it today. There are many. We just pray that you'd be with them at home. In Jesus' name, amen. So this month had something happen, and I've been thinking a lot about trust. And I'll get a little story here, a little background. I'm pretty old, and I remember when we started on the computers, we had one password, and we started with email and a password to get into your internet service provider, and that was it. And then as we used more and more and more sites, you had more things to log into, and they started changing things around. You had to have uppercase or lowercase or uh, special characters. So the one-word password that I was using wasn't working anymore. And we get so many sites that, and we do so much on that, especially during COVID. You use your phone to do so much, you know, pay bills, some money to people, uh, order things. Just you're on that phone all day long. Read emails and such, go on the Internet. So what was born were password managers. So I got one of those, and I researched them. And this one, I won't mention any names, but their claim to fame is life is happening online, work and play, family and friends. We put your digital life at our fingertips. Simply and securely, trusted by millions, tested by experts. We'll see how that worked out. I had over 100 sites in this password manager, and you put sensitive information in and things like that, and it goes in what they call a vault. It's an online vault, and you do all the work. You put everything into it. You make a huge password. You, You give it to your wife and say, don't lose this, because they don't even know what your password is. So you put it, I put one in the safe deposit box. Uh, it's called the master password. And when you use one of these, you go to the site and they fill in the blanks. You can have a password that long. And it worked great for several years <clears throat> until about a year ago, they were hacked. And it said, <clears throat> um, oh, don't worry. Sorry, they got all your identity, which, which is great. But they don't have any of the vault. So that was the first strike. <clears throat> I stayed with them. Then the final straw, two months ago, they were embarrassingly hacked again. And this time, they got all, all the vaults, over 30 million vaults. But <clears throat> again, they said, oh, but they don't have your master password. You're still safe. And I said, well, enough of that. So <clears throat> hackers can actually break a master password there's a thing on the internet that said, test this master password. And you can make up something and say, we don't keep it. You'll put it in and it'll tell you, a computer can figure this out in 12 hours. It's pretty interesting. So I went with another company and I had to export everything I had and then import into the new one. And then I had to go into every site and change the password, which was two day job. And I finally got everything done. It was not, 
not much fun. And at the very end, they're saying, you know, why did you leave? And I go, I said, you had one job to do, protect my vault, and you failed, which is true. And we've seen this with the U.S. government, uh, hospitals, police departments, <clears throat> virtually almost anything that goes into a computer can be found by somebody and hacked. But why? Because they're people just like we are. Some of them are, they make mistakes, they're sinners, uh, they have a sinful nature. I got two of these when I woke up this morning. And you get, you'll get them, you'll have a variety of these things. It's something new constantly. You purchased a MacBook Pro for $1,500 is complete. Call this number if you have any questions. So I said, Sherry, she's watching. Did you buy a MacBook computer? She said, no. Another one, you sent uh, $500 to, to Mario L. If this was not you, call this number. Then this morning it says, your Vimo account has been compromised. Call this number or click on always the blue link and we'll straighten this out for you. They always want you to get you to click on something or call on something. Then they got more of your information. They're evil. Uh, and then the iPhone, it doesn't, I don't know if it makes you feel good or not, but you go to the bottom and you say, delete and report junk. I've done that several hundred times. It does no good at all. You get the same junk the very next day. So this is not going to go away until the rapture. It's, sin is going to continue and multiply. You know, most some of us have a living trust, and you write down your wishes to do what do you, basically, what do you do with the stuff? And after you pass, the trustee follows your trust and does the stuff to wherever it goes. And that's all over when our life is over and when everybody's life is over. That's called a living trust. But we have a lifetime eternal trust with Jesus Christ. And we are in his hands, as the verse say, you know, and another verse says you can't break in and steal and get robbed, you know, the passage. But he has us in his trust and he can't, nobody can get into that and take us. But so we can put all of our trust in him, our trust, our lives, our soul, our future for eternity. And that is in Jesus Christ. He can't make a mistake. As Taylor sang, we believe him and he saved us. He is a difference maker. And we'll talk about that later. He made several promises before he went on the cross. And he fulfilled them all. He didn't say, well, it's getting close. I'm not going to go on this cross. He said what he was going to do. He was raised from the dead. He went to make a place for each and every saved believer. And we can believe that he's going to fulfill all his promises. <clears throat> Some of the things he does, he makes our lives new, even changes our senses. We don't do the things we used to do. We don't read the things we used to read. We don't look at the things we used to look at. Some don't drink the things they used to drink. And there's no desire to go back to any of those ways. And we also have a family of God. We have different friends, brothers and sisters in the family of God. Two weeks ago, on a Monday night, we had about probably 30 people here. 
And on that night, um, it was a championship football game, big, huge game, uh, undefeated team playing another team. That's a big deal. There was a lot of sports fans here. Nobody said a word about it, which is not that unusual. But remember, in former days, you might skip a meeting. There's a huge football game this afternoon. Some people might have skipped the meeting and say, oh, I got the, you know, the Niners playing today. But we just don't do that because Christ's work is more important than any, any game. In Psalms 9.10, it says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have neither forsaken those who seek you. That verse says, those who know you, this verse is for saved believers, those who trust in him. It's not just, you know, any, anybody who just reads this verse will say, oh, the Lord protect me. You have to be saved to take you know, the benefits of these verses. He says he'll never leave us or forsake us. So in tandem, we should never leave him. We should stick to him and seek him out and seek out his kingdom. He can be fully trusted. Like I said, he, he's going to do whatever he says he's going to do. And he's done a lot of those things that he said he would do. He can't lie. So when he makes a promise, he will fulfill it. I'll have to say that that password manager made some bold promises, but obviously they didn't do what they said they were going to do. <clears throat> Isaiah 46, 4 says, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. What a beautiful, what a beautiful, these things give us uh, comfort and security like Dean talked about last week. It's just comforting to have these verses that we can fall back on. And of those things long ago, again, he talks about in Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. And this is encouraging as well. My purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of prey. From far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. We can't do anything to change his plans, which is comforting. He's going to do his will no matter what happens down here. All these things that are happening down here, he allows them. As Adel said, there's just horrible things going on and it's not getting any better. But he allows it, but his plan will be completed to fruition. <clears throat> we have numerous warnings in Scripture about who we should be putting our trust in. Proverbs 11, 7 Hope placed in mortals, die with them. All the promises of their power comes to nothing. 
we see this constantly. Men, men making power, uh, promises, politicians, executives, uh, business people talking about investments. When they die, their promises are, they just go in the ground. Some real desperate people put their promises in, if you have a spare $100,000, is Cyronics. And that's where, after you die, you've prepaid this, and they freeze your body with the hope someday somebody discovers a way to restore you to life. That is desperate. Wouldn't you rather stick to John 3.16 with that promise? I'd rather be saved and believe through his sacrifice that he made on the, on the cross, his blood saved us from all our, all our sins. As Dean said, they're completely behind him. I look forward to seeing that kingdom. I look forward to seeing Christ getting that new heavenly body, not bringing this old aging, aging one to life again and <laughs> to make that one last a few more years. As Dean said, as a devotion, I think yesterday, <clears throat> Paul calls these old bodies a tent. Well, a tent is not made to last for eternity. It's a, it's a temporary place to stay. <clears throat> Psalm 68:20 says, Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. The death it's not escape from death from this planet. It's an eternal death that he saves us from in his kingdom. Many of us will pass. We don't know who is going to pass when if he doesn't come. That death is temporary. We're immediately taken to be with him. And it just there's a bullet list in Psalms on why not to trust in humans. Psalm 146, 3 through 5. Do not put your trust in princes, humans. They cannot save. That's one. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But us, saved believers, it says, Blessed are those whose help is from the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. And that is... Hopefully we're all in that, that category, that last verse. That's the only way to get to heaven through Jesus Christ. And he's the only one that can save us from our sins. No matter what we do, we can't work a way out of our sins. They have to be forgiven by Jesus. And we know the benefits that he has. There's just an unlimited amount of benefits to trusting in the Lord. Praise my soul. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Sometimes we may take him from granted, but it's just a great life having Christ. In Psalm 131, verse 2, and this is written by a man who was lived in caves. He was pursued by the king. He was on the run. He was completely out, outnumbered and lacking provisions, and he was... Yet here's at one point in his life, he says, but I have calmed myself and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. 
when he says, I have calmed myself, he knows how he did it. We could all say, I'm quieting myself. I'm going to do yoga or meditation. It's because he had the Lord with him, and the Lord is the one that calmed him. And we all know, we had two of them ourselves, how child's kids are, and they would scream. Right, Britt? <laughs> but, and Taylor, not leaving her out. But yet when Sherry fed them, they would just be totally quieted and calmed and just silent. And that's the way David was thinking about his relationship with the Lord, the comfort and the calmness that he has. These problems in the world are never going to go away. There's always a new one around the corner. But he's there 24-7 for us to calm anxiety, depression, doubt, and fears. And here's the, this is kind of the, the poster child for the trust, trust verse. We all know it. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. <clears throat> trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. You hear that, but you don't. Do you really read what he's saying there? It's, it's, a, it's, got, it's conditional. He'll make our path straight if we do the first two things in our life. <clears throat> the first one is lean, not, lean on his understanding, not on our own. Whatever you lean on, you're going to trust. I know this thing is very well made. I can lean on it. It's not going to break, tip over. If you lean on something that can't be trusted, it's not stable, we're going to fall and suffer. So <clears throat> are we leaning on him for everything in our lives? That's the first part of that verse. When we make a decision, we should trust in the Lord's will, seek the Lord's will, for every decision we make. He is more than able to show us the proper way to make our paths straight. And the other one in that verse is submit to him in every aspect of our life. Everything it says, every little thing, we think we're going to do this, we're going on a vacation, I'm going to change jobs, I'm going to do this, buy that. Everything we should put to the Lord in prayer. And if you watch the game today, <clears throat> these guys are going to give it everything they have. The 49ers are on fire. And if you watch them, they're really, really playing hard. And this is a team, the first week of the season, they lost to one of the worst teams in the league, and they looked terrible. They were not giving it their all. But today, these guys, both teams, will give everything they have, and that's what the verse says. <clears throat> Trust in him with all your heart, with everything, everything you have. Be all in on him. And then by following these requirements, <clears throat> the verse says he will make our paths straight. No wavering. <clears throat> so how do we know <clears throat> when we make a right decision? If we're seeking the Lord's will for every decision we have to make, it will be right. That's why the song says, trust and obey. We can trust, but are we obeying? It's a, they go together. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. <clears throat> so <clears throat> to learn the Lord's will, we stay in prayer. 
We read the word, we listen to the word from all the speakers at the meetings, uh, devotions you read and such. And we have fellowship like we have here. Like I said, when uh, we came to the church and we take down the decorations and other parts of the year, we clean. It's work, but we, it's, we have fun. It's fellowship. We're with the family of God and we have godly counsel available for everything. And we want to be consistent. A straight line is completely consistent. It doesn't go anywhere. It's like a a light. It's just totally straight. We don't want to be going left and right, letting the wind throw us around each way. The Lord can use and rely on consistent and obedient Christians. And here's a couple of uh, examples of these uh, men who had extreme trust in the Lord. And the first one is Daniel. His life was an example of consistent obedience. He impressed King Darius so much that the king was going to give her power over the whole kingdom. And naturally, the men in power at the time, they were rocking their boat because they were going to lose power. And they became so envious and jealous of Daniel, they plotted to remove him. But Daniel was so trustworthy and consistent, they couldn't find any any fault in him. So they devised a trap to get him. They wrote a decree that prohibited anyone from praying to anyone except the king for 30 days, just 30 days. The the, 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 The decree could not be repealed. They presented it to the king, and he foolishly signed it. Anyone caught praying to anyone but the king would be thrown in the lion's den. Now, Daniel knew about the decree because in Daniel 6.10, he was aware of it. It said, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Consistency. Three times a day, same time every day, he prayed looking at Jerusalem. He knew that the decree was, uh, it was, it was in force. Yet the first thing he did, he completely ignored it, and he prayed immediately. So he doesn't care about uh, violating it. He's going to still be faithful to the Lord. So the conspirators' plan, it worked perfectly. They knew it would work because they knew Daniel would continue to pray. So they caught him praying, as was his custom, and they told the king. So the king had to stand by his decree and had Daniel thrown into the sealed lion's den. So these guys were probably just loving it now. They go, that's the end of Daniel. But they didn't know the power of the Lord God Almighty. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. So after a fitful knife for the king, he couldn't sleep. He checked in early in the morning on Daniel. And in 620 to 24, it says, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, Has your God, whom you've served continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? 
Daniel answered, may the king live forever. That's an amazing thing to say. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. You talk about a change of heart. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the dead, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. That is amazing for a king to, to know what he did and then pray that he came out of it alive. And then he has a whole new attitude about Daniel. Daniel was an awesome example of a man who constantly trusted in God. He was so polite, too. After what the king did, he's still calling, you know, your majesty and such. The Lord was so glorified, and through this, the king's heart was changed. And this is good timing for this, because on Wednesday night, we're having this series called Kingdom Men by, uh, what's his name? Tony Evans, yeah. And we'll have different people take in different Wednesdays. And these, he was a kingdom man, and about the, I'll read about a few more of them. He trusted the Lord with his life. That's a kingdom man. He knew the penalty for getting caught with the prayers. He could have said, we'll just put this on pause for 30 months, and then we'll go back to our routine. He didn't do that. He didn't waver. And he was so loyal to the Lord. He had extreme faith, all traits of a kingdom man, even under deadly circumstances. And this, this is kind of the key of the kingdom man story. It's about how we live our lives and what other people see. He shows <clears throat> he had such a potent life for the Lord and the way he lived. He showed that and he changed the heart of a lot of non-believers around him. The king was just amazed at what he did to turn around and have the people killed that wrote that decree. And then <clears throat> as the Lord won this one, as he always does. And the next verse said, Daniel prospered. Okay, three more kingdom men. <clears throat> Another decree, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They decried, defied the decree that ordered them all to worship, bow down and worship a giant gold statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. Whenever there was a list of about 10 instruments, whenever you heard an instrument, you had to go down and bow to this statue. <clears throat> and it had deadly implications if you got caught not doing that. Violators would be thrown into the blazing furnace. So <clears throat> here's what they said. In Daniel 3.17, <clears throat> says, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. No wavering there. 19 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. 
He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The flames were so hot, the men who threw them into the furnace were burned up. And the king saw the men inside just walking in flames as if they were out in a park. Nobody was on fire. King, in 24, King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. The king said, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like son of the gods. Some of the, the Bill McDonald commentary is one it said some think that this could have been a pre-incarnate Jesus in there with him. At the very least, it was an angel with them. Um, and here is the, you'll see the commonality between these guys and uh, Daniel, as well as the king between Darius and Nebuchadnezzar. Look at how his thought was changed. In 28, <clears throat> Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other god except their own god. That is so incredible that the king all of a sudden had that to say about them. And here's... Here's his reaction. Here's what he puts into play. He changed the law of the land because in 29 it says, Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces in their houses, be turned into piles of rubble, for no God can save in this way. He's basically saying scripture there. It's true. And like Daniel, who prospered, it says in 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. When we follow the Lord's commands, we prosper. And that's what these four men did. And God judged the people that enforced these decrees. They were destroyed either by the furnace in this place or the... Uh, or the lion's den. We, I talked about the kingdom men here, four of them. But there's many women in scripture that show the same loyalty and trust in the Lord. Esther was one. She held her ground when she could have been killed by talking to the king the way she did. She stood up for her people and boldly questioned the king to protect her people against Ammon and the evil people that were going after the Jews there. Rahab risked her life completely. She opened up her home. She sheltered the spies that were spying out Jericho. Deborah judged the nation of Israel, which was very rare to have a, a woman do that. And she commanded some of the forces in some of the armies that the Israel nation was fighting. Ruth was loyal to the Lord and left her land to be faithful to Naomi and many more, some of them like Hannah and Abigail. And I was just thinking as I 
I read this. Women in scripture generally are doing something right, whereas the men are the one that are messing things up. I think that it's just the way it is. And you know, Taylor sang today, uh, from the impossible, we'll see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. You are the way. Where there seems to be no way, we trust in you. God, you have the final say. So I was really taken by this. So we want to trust in him fully and be men and women for his kingdom. Think about his kingdom. Imagine what that's going to look like. You know, he said he made a place for us in that kingdom. And our lives should show that we are kingdom men and women for him. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these great examples of men and women in scripture that did not waver. They served you and just honored you and brought glory to you. All of these, all these people we talked about. We thank you for being our Lord and Savior for what you did on the cross for us. And we just pray we uh, continue to serve you until, until you come, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.